I re- as I look back at that day, I re- I'll never forget it. I was at Mills College in the in the little room we were meeting in, mm-hmm. and I I pulled it back like tenfold, right? Like, oh, we can just do it. We can do a hundred thousand. I didn't know how I was going to do a million. So I I, I just want to do a timeout and do a redaction because I heard you say something, and uh, I heard you say that you allowed their fear to pull you back, right? Yeah. And I know from my own experience, right, we, we got both inside of us, right? We got can do faith and we got can't do fear, right? <laughs> and so it wasn't their fear, yeah. right? Yeah. They allowed you to take the focus off of your big goal, mm. your, 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 your faithful vision. Yeah. And put it on your own fear because our own fear does not go anywhere. It just hangs around, smokes a cigarette, <laughs> taps his foot, and I'm waiting. Oh, I'm waiting for the right opportune time to hit Ashante, <laughs> to hit Sean. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm glad that you've joined us. Uh, today's conversation is with Sean Dove, the founder and director of the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, uh, one of my mentors. I have uh, been so glad to have this man as a man I can uh, call or text or email just to ask a question about my journey in leadership. Um, today's conversation is different than some of our other podcasts. Um, we didn't make a traditional mask like we normally make, but we're going to talk about our masks. Uh, he's going to tell some stories about growing up in New York in a time that's not like some people know New York today. Um, he's going to help me process some thoughts about my work and the things that I have just seen in a, such a different way. I want to read one quote that he talks about today in today's episode. He says, uh, inside of us, we have both the can do faith and can't do fear. And you'll hear him talk to me about a journey of that I've taken in my leadership where I used to say, I let my team talk me out of a decision where actually I've reframed it to being like, I allowed my fear to take me to a new decision. Uh, but just amazing to be able to be in this conversation with him. It's going to hopefully you feel flow really smooth and hopefully you learn something. He's going to give some nuggets in this conversation that I've written down and that I'm still writing and that I'm going to be sharing. But uh, I really hope that you take uh, what you hear today as a, a conversation between two men. Um, definitely. I look to him for a lot of advice, um, but he really affirms some of my work, which feels really good and I didn't expect it, but also I'm, I'm thankful for it. Uh, I look forward to you being a part of this movement. Uh, just a really important note. We just reached 50,000 masks, over 50,000, 50,710 to be exact. And I hope that you at some point get to make a mask and you can do that at www.100kmasks.com. And we look forward to you being a part of this journey with us with one picture and six words of self-reflection and connection. And listen to this conversation of me connecting to Sean Dove. Thank you for listening. Well, 
Thank you. I mean, I just want to say thank you for being on the show and welcome to Taking Off the Mask. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we were kind of catching up before and it started already happening without us even planning. So, uh, yeah, you were just saying the mantra for this, this season. Yeah, so the mantra for uh, this year has been all is in divine order. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, there have been some moments where God has said, well, do you believe that now? <laughs> when things have not been like, you know, going so uh uh, as I maybe I would have wanted them to uh, be going, and the answer to that is yes. Um, gratitude, uh, immense gratitude, because um, you know, look, we're uh, among today the land of the living, right? And uh, we all know someone or someone in our circle that started 2020 and is no longer with us. Uh, for uh, various reasons, right? Yeah. Certainly COVID-19, but just the natural order of things, yeah. violence. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful uh, and I'm uh, talking to and, and looking at, you know, one of my favorite brothers on the planet. So, uh, yeah. you know, what more uh, can I ask for, man? Man, I appreciate that. And when you said that, actually, I was thinking, did I lose anyone else this year? And I realized everything that's been going on since March, like I lost my grandmother in January, you know, and that was like super heavy. And, it's, and then as I was dealing with finish that, then yeah, in yeah. the world, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's a, there's a lot more happening this year, right? Outside of what's so, happening. Exactly. Right. And, um, you know, I was listening to uh, the sister, uh, Marshawn Evans on Friday, I participated in this African-American leadership uh, conference. Uh, okay. Brother Willie Barney uh, from uh, Omaha, Nebraska, okay. he puts that on every year. You two may have been in the same space together at Rumble. Okay. And uh, she was a closing speaker. And uh, she just talked about how, you know, 2020 has hmm. come to teach us the source of our hesitation. Wow. Uh, she went on and talked about how in the midst of a pandemic, <laughs> she gave birth to triplets. Right? Oh, man. And, uh, she uh, said a lot of good stuff that I needed to hear. And she said one thing, uh, when we believe, yeah. we build. And uh, when we doubt, we delay. And, uh, you know, that's an affirmation of my, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Uh, so stop call- stalling on your calling and right. just jump, uh, 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 jump in. And uh, sorry to hear about your grandmother. Um, oh, man. Shanti. And, uh, I can only say that I know that she was uh, very proud and still is proud and shining down on her baby boy. Yeah, man. I think, you know, it's one of those moments when it happened. I was at uh, Stanford for a workshop. Like, she had been in hospice. But when I got the call, I was, like, going across the bridge, you know, you're heading from East Bay to Stanford, right? You, and um, and I got the call from my cousin saying, you know, she just passed, right? And I was like, and I had that conflict in my heart, in my soul. Like, should I turn back around and go back to her house or go forward and push this presentation that – I've been planning for weeks, right? And it's like, I think there's these moments where you hear about people who have done amazing things and they, and they, make, they have to make hard decisions, right? I mean, that was a, that was a hard decision in, in my gut. Like, I should go there and just stand 
over the body, but I also felt like, what good am I going to do there in the moment? Mm -hmm. Right. Like I've already felt it. I've already said, you know, made my, save my goodbyes, but also like, shouldn't you, shouldn't you, aren't you supposed to be there? Like the pressure, I, I think that I put on myself, what I think people think I should do. Like, what are they going to say that I didn't go back and just stand there? Wow. That's deep. You know, look, I, I, uh, walked down the aisle in my first uh, marriage with that, uh, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do as opposed to uh, this is my heart's desire, right? And uh, we are always faced with uh, that, you know, dichotomy, right? Yeah. And, you know, this has been a year for me um, where I've uh, done some and continue to do some some deep work around, um, you know, deriving intrinsic value and intrinsic self-worth as opposed to extrinsic value and people pleasing and what others want me to do and to stop performing and just be, man. And uh, it is... Um, it's freeing, it's liberating. It's not easy because <laughs> we have been scripted all of our lives uh, to do the latter, right? And right. to derive the uh, external because, uh, you know, as my therapist shares with me, um, you know, that voice, that ego is trying to protect you from something, right? And it's trying to create some kind of safe space for you. And yeah. it's okay for you to uh, talk, you know, what are you trying to protect me from, right? right. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And I said to her, I said, hold up, I came to you to stop talking to myself. <laughs> if you're telling me to talk to myself, um, this is, um, like I said, all in divine order that we're talking today at this yeah. moment. And you were sharing about your, um, you know, your grandmother, right? And uh, it's easy for me to say from my vantage point, uh, actually, you didn't tell me the decision. I think you went ahead and did the workshop, right? I did the workshop, yeah. yeah. From my vantage point, I, 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 I would say, uh, I think you did the right thing, but based on what we just talked about, it don't matter what I say, right? Yeah. It's like, how does Ashanti <laughs> feel about this? Yeah. You know, I started um, 2020, um, my wife Desiree and I, in Ghana. Wow. Uh, my first trip to uh, Africa. Nice. Uh, in partnership with the Kojo Family Foundation uh, and the Essence Full Circle Festival, the year of the return, right? And I have this picture uh, in my phone, actually I posted it earlier this week in Instagram. It was the um, first sunrise of the new year for me. Nice. And it was part of a sunrise breakfast on the beach in Ghana, right? Wow. And uh, as you know, uh, talk about, you know, terminology with sunset and, you know, the campaign for black male achievement at the end of this year. Yeah. And um, little did I know, you know, that sunrise was signaling, you know, uh, who knew what 2020 at that point, uh, what was in store. And as the sun is setting 
on one side of the world, it's rising on the other, right? Yeah. So that's us. There's a couple of things I want to say with context. I haven't even given you a chance to ask a question. <laughs> but, uh, so, so, so that context, right? And then yeah. after, oh, uh, so, so Ghana was beautiful. Right? Yeah. And it was just um, spiritual, enlightening, um, like, wow, finally made it. Um, and and I thank Boris Kojo because Desiree and I had um, a lunch meeting with him uh, and his wife, Nicole, in Harlem um, at the Red Rooster in September. Nice. And we were having a conversation and uh, he uh, asked if I had ever been to Africa. And I said, well, uh, it's on my bucket list. Uh, 2020. I'm going to do it in 2020. And uh, he looked across the table at me and he said, no, you're going this year. <laughs> you're coming with us for the Essence Full Circle Festival oh. the year of the return, right? And uh, so if I would have waited to 2020, right, the year of the pandemic, right, that would not have happened, right? So so there's so much to unpack, but there's a couple of things I just want to share um with just this year and this moment that we're in, I'm in, um, you know, one of the powerful stories uh, while I was at Ghana yeah. was hearing about the beautiful coastline and the property on the coastline. Have you been to Ghana? No, not yet. Yeah. Only and, Lagos. Uh, being on the coastline. And so to me, the beach is beautiful, the waves, but the history yeah. of the water uh, over the generations is that uh, our ancestors left the door of no return. The water meant the coming of slave ships and the leaving of family and, and, and legacy. And the, building, uh, the buildings on the shoreline, all of the doors face away from the water mm. and you would think okay i got this coastline property i would want to open the door but and see the beachfront right yeah. to see the waterfront and uh part of the uh, festival was around the economic uh power and collective uh, uh, economics that uh, resides in the diaspora in Ghana and on that land. And uh, the metaphor for me yeah. with the development that has happened and a new development is, you know, how do we uh, do a 180 and face our fears, right? Mm. And how do we do a 180 and face our uh, generational uh, uh, fear and generational grief and, um, after Ghana, yeah. um, I do this annual retreat with a bunch of black folks that I love, uh, many of whom you may uh, know, uh, Tanya Allen, Travian Shorters, uh, it's called Soar, uh, a bunch of other folks. And we were in Belize this year. Nice. And uh, it was beautiful, right? Um, first week of uh, January. And the second night while I was in Belize, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you have a dream 
Mm. and you fall into this paralysis in your dream and you can't move or breathe? I, I, I sleep really deep and I do dream a lot. So I think, I don't know if I've ever been to a place where I was like para, para, paralyzed, but I've been in the place where I'm like, am I, is this really, like, I think I've, maybe, maybe I have, I, I, I gotta think about it. Like when people describe it, I'm like, like I'll be in a dream and I'll be just like, whoa, like what's, like I'm looking around in the dream. like. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know if I'm like my brain saying to wake up, wake up, you know, but. Of course, so you could uh, at least, uh, uh, I could be a good guest and allow you to uh, uh, ask your first question. <laughs> so this is the second night and, and, and this used to happen to me as a kid, you know, the, uh, in a dream the parade, and I couldn't move, right? And the mm. only way as a kid that I can wake up was if I breathed through my nose, then don't ask why. But okay. anyway, so I was having this dream the second night in Belize. And uh, in the dream, I was in my childhood youth program as an adolescent called the Dome Project on the Upper West Side of uh, Manhattan in New York. And then the dream switched and I was in Times Square 42nd Street, and not the 42nd Street of today. This is like 1977, you know, uh, 42nd. You know, this is triple X uh, uh, 42nd Street. And then there was these little, uh, you may recall Pac-Man that game, right? Pac-Man, Mr. Pac-Man. These little, yep. you know, uh, gremlin-like things that grabbed me and were pulling me down the street. Wow. And it was at that point, I was in this paralysis. I couldn't breathe. And uh, everyone was sleeping on my right side and I just started fighting because in my dream, I said, if I don't fight, I know I'm going to die. And so I started fighting and I didn't realize that I was swinging in the real because my wife Desiree woke up and she shook me and she was like, what's going on? And uh, I woke up and I knew at that moment that if I didn't fight, because I heard a few stories in 2019 of uh, black men dying in their sleep. And on the trip in Ghana, um, we were on the trip, I don't know if the name Bernard, were well, you in California, you know Bernard Tyson, the uh, former CEO of, yeah, yeah. Well, of, of Kaiser, Kaiser. Yes. Kaiser. And at 60, he died in his sleep. And yeah. his wife, his widow, was on in, in, in Africa on this trip. Wow. And uh, in fact, was the first person Desiree and I connected when we got there and was talking to in the lobby. And she was in mourning still, right? Yeah. And um, I know, so when I say I'm grateful to, uh, to be alive, um, I know in that moment, um, and you know, I wrote it in my journal that, you know, I made a decision yeah. to fight, right? I've been in some spaces in my lifetime, probably in that dream, I would have been like, just take me, Lord, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. It's a wrap. Thank you. So uh, uh, just grateful to be here and just want to let you know how proud I am of you Thank and you. Uh, how much I love you. And, uh, you know, while we don't speak and see each other often, uh, the connection is always there, brother. Man, I appreciate that very much. And I, and I want you to know that this is not really an interview. This is a conversation. And so it's actually exactly what was supposed to happen in our opportunity to just start connecting. Because one of the things that with, with our work and 
and, and thank you for the words because I was thinking, am I going to tell like him, like every time I see you with your sons, like I've seen you, I mean, I, this is like a third year, second year since the, since the first inaugural, um, you know, building beloved community uh, fellowship, you know, and um, I remember just seeing you with them and just seeing that love, like, like, you know, I'm, I grew up without a father. So like that, when I see it, I feel it. It was something I wish I could sometimes turn off mm. because I always seem to feel it right I, I can and so yeah so so I appreciate those words because I think when I when I see you with them I always just am just overjoyed like kind of like kind of like a place of like man I wish I had that right who knows if my father would have been as holding that space like I see you hold for them but I but I always wonder I was wonder and trust that he would have right that but he, he was taken before I was born. So I, I want to just appreciate you for all that you have done. And I think even our first meeting, the first time I met you was at the, uh, when you came to the Bay Area, at the San Francisco um, Foundation for the first report, um, the, um, I forgot the name of the, the, the Quantifying Hope. Quantifying Hope, that one, that was the first time. And then I was just like, just in awe in the audience. And I was like, I'm not going to go up and say anything. And then I remember, the second year that, that the report, the second report came out, I said, it's in a year. Like, I should have said something last year. I didn't say, I said, I'm going to go up and say hello. And I'm gonna, I came up to you and you said, email me. And that's how it all started. Like, it was just my, me breaking past my fear of like, just, yeah. and so I'm glad that, you know, it's, it's a wake up call to myself because a lot of things hold me back by me kind of sometimes being afraid, you know? Oof. Yes. So that's interesting because the, a uh, moment of connection that I remember, right? So I don't even remember the San Francisco uh, 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 connections, right? I remember uh, us in the airport uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, after uh, the inaugural uh, Beloved Community, Good and Beloved Community Leadership Fellowship, uh, our, uh, you know, few days down there and, uh, us just spending some time as we were waiting for our flights, yep. connecting and introducing the vision of um, you know the mask and beyond the mask and uh, a, a million masks. Yeah, <laughs> See, I, I, I multiplied it right. I think yeah, no, it's, and it's actually that's where it's at right now. It's called the million mask movement right there. That's the that's the, well that shirt is gonna that shirt is a uh, antique now even though it says million mask movement. People couldn't read it. They were like, you know, I think it's that work we talk about, right? You try something and you realize, oh, I gave it my best, right? Mm -hmm. I thought it was a, an innovative idea. And people were like, why do you have a commas in the middle of a word? And I'm like, oh, it's not clear. It's not, it's not clear what I was trying to do, right? But uh, yeah, it's, it's a million now. It's, we, have, uh, we have collected about 50,000 masks mm -hmm. from 18 countries. And, you know, the goal is a million. The goal is like, I feel like we're on a really important, you know, in that moment where you're like, something's happening. Like the wheels have been turning. I've been pushing the wheels, but then sometimes you feel like the wheels are kind of like moving and you're not doing all the pushing. Like there's some other things kind of stirring. That's where it's starting to feel. It still, it still feels, you know, it's still rough, right? We're a small yeah. nonprofit, but that moment where you start saying, well, stuff is happening and I didn't do it. So then you're like, Woo. man. Yeah. So... <laughs> So now I just want to clarify because the original target, it wasn't a million in the beginning. A hundred thousand, right? hundred thousand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
I didn't want that to be lost um, for um, listeners, watchers, however this is being, um, viewers, uh, yeah. being distributed, that um, the original goal was a 100,000 goal, right? Yeah. Which is big in itself. And you step into that, uh, you know, face the fear and yeah. step into it and just kept walking and, 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 and walking in your gift and showing up and uh, you sized up. And it's funny, I was just talking <laughs> about uh, the Marshawn Evans. Uh, she said something uh, that was, uh, oh, she was talking about her, her, her triplets and uh, growing into larger diapers and she said, <laughs> you have to continuously ask yourself, where in your life is it time for you to size up? Ooh. ooh. And you went from 100,000 goal to a million and what it is, and our brother Richard Taylor, we talk about this a lot, it's the uh, process, you yeah. know, uh, between the dream and set lofty goals not so much because uh, of uh, what will happen if and when you achieve them, right. but what happens along the way, right? Yeah. And so you just told me uh, some serendipitous stuff is uh, happening and uh, God, the universe, the spirit just said, oh, he's serious. He, he, he's supersized. He oh, 10X. man. <laughs> well, you're running an organization. I, I want to tell you the story, actually, how it happened, because you probably have experienced this, and I would love to. Uh, we're, did you did you have a chance to make a mask? Did you have a chance to make one? Wow. So I made one. Long time ago. So Long time ago. Part of our show, what we're going to do is you and I are going to just okay. talk about our mask together. Okay. But I'm going to tell you this story because it was actually really interesting when you said we sized up. So I had the idea. I mean, the. The journey was, was really wild, but I'll start, I'll start with this. Um, the people saw the documentary. They said, uh, you are, uh, some, the documentary came out when we did the activity the first time. I got a call from some educator around the country who saw the documentary, tried to do the activity with their students, made the room very unsafe, because we're asking people to share important yep. things about themselves, sometimes scary things. And then they, they, they called me or emailed me and said, your activity doesn't work. And I'm like, what, what activity are you talking about? And like the one you did in the documentary, you know, I did it with my students and it made the classroom very unsafe. And I'm like, I didn't teach anybody how to do that. Like the clip was only three minutes. We were in the room for over an hour and a half. And I've been working with these young men for, for weeks and months. And in my mind, I'm like, how are you blaming me? Like, the fact that you tried to take something that you saw in three minutes and translate it to some humans in your classroom, like, and then my, my gut was like, but if people can blame me for anything. Yes. And something said to me said, you need to, people you, will. and they will. And they, he, something to me said, you got to teach people how to do it. Teach them how to do it the right way. If they're going to try and take this three minutes, they want to do it, teach them yes. how to do it. And then I had a fear of like, well, how, how are we going to make money off of this? And how are we going to like, like grow this and scale this? And one of my mentors says, what, what do you want to have? You want to have the impact or you want to make money? I said, well, I'm running an organization. I want to, I mean, we need to survive. He said, do you want to have impact or you want to make money? I said, I want to have impact. He said, then you got to give it away. Yes. And so we started giving it away. And I said, well, if we're going to create these cards and do this, we got to at least put a goal on it. So I went to my team first before the, the campaign started with this idea of the million mask movement. 
So mm-hmm. I, I was a super Jew. I was ready. I had it in my brain. I prepared my speech. This is what we're going to do. I wrote it on the board. It was like MMM. And I was like, look at that. And everybody's like, how are we going to collect a million masks? <laughs> and I'm like, but look, it's, it's a million mask movement. Can't you see it? Can't you feel it? Don't you? And I literally. Yeah, it was, it was it, I had, I had it off, but you know what I did? I, I scale, I pull back. So when you said you got to dream big, I actually was starting off dreaming big and I allowed, and I take the blame, full blame for it. I allowed their fear to cause me to say, well, then what else can we name it? And then we started with 100,000. And I, and I really, as I look back at that day, I, I'll never forget it. I was at Mills College in the, in the little room we were meeting in. Mm-hmm. And I, I pulled it back like tenfold, right? Like, oh, we can just do it. We can do a hundred thousand. I didn't know how I was going to do a million. So I, I, I just want to do a timeout and do a redaction because I heard you say something, and uh, I heard you say that you allowed their fear to pull you back, right? Yeah. And I know from my own experience, right, we, we got both inside of us, right? We got can do faith and we got can't do fear, right? <laughs> and so it wasn't their fear, yeah, right? Yeah. They allowed you to take the focus off of your big goal, mm. your, 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 your faithful vision, yeah, and put it on your own fear because our own fear does not go anywhere. It just hangs around, smokes a cigarette, <laughs> taps his foot, and I'm waiting. Oh, man. I'm waiting for the right opportune time to hit Ashante, <laughs> to hit Sean. Let me tell you something, man, and, and then we'll get to the mask. Um, and and, and the, the power of, and I've seen you do your workshop uh, on a live on a few occasions. Um, um, and in this work that we are doing, it is not just for now. This is a healing work. Yeah. Um, it's generational work. Yeah. Um, I've done over the last year some deep excavation um, around imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, deep excavation around uh, the narratives uh, that I've told myself and the stories I've told myself, and particularly around one story. And um, I was nine years old. Yeah. And um, during the week, I lived with my godmother in Harlem on 119th Street and Lynx Avenue. Uh, on the weekends, uh, I lived with my mom, right? And uh, my godmother was a classic, you know, big mama took care of a whole, whole bunch of other kids. And yeah. this was the first day that uh, I was traveling the New York City subways by myself. Right? Okay. Yeah. And my godmother, she ran numbers with uh, Nikki Barnes's uh, father, Roy Barnes, right? And so I know you're on the West Coast. I don't know if the name Nikki Barnes means anything <laughs> to you, but he's a, he's a legendary Drug dealer, right? Okay, you know, okay. Small, right? Uh, but you know what running numbers is, right? It's like lottery. Yeah, yeah. So it was okay. it was a, the black community's okay. cottage industry running numbers, right? Okay. So, it, so yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the lottery, right? So 
Uh, and one of, and actually this was her son-in-law, uh, who, you know, was a hustler. He saw fit. His name was DeWitt. DeWitt Thompson. <laughs> he saw fit to give me and Michael King fur coats for Christmas of 1971. Michael King was about two years older than me. I was nine. He was around 11. He was being raised by a single mom like I was. And so Lel was also taking care of him, right? That was my godmother. And so on this uh, weekend, I think it was a Sunday after that Christmas, uh, I was traveling from the Bronx to Harlem supposed to pick up something from my um, uh, godmother and was coming back. And I remember coming back, my mother was going to take me to this James Bond movie, Diamonds Are Forever, right? I'm, not, I'm going there, right? Yeah. Uh, and so long story short, it's on the way back, instead of getting on the uptown side to go home, I got on the downtown side. I was expecting to see 125th Street you know, that's what I was programmed to see. Yeah. So 110th Street, foreign territory. I froze, could have gotten off the train and just walked across the platform and got on the uptown side, right? Yeah. So I won't go to the whole story. Doors closed, wind up, the doors next open on 96th Street, and it seemed like an eternity from 110th Street to 96th Street. <laughs> Again, I could have asked for help. All I had to do was go on to the other side, to the uptown side, but I got out and said, oh, 96th Street, I can walk to 116th Street. <laughs> I didn't realize I was on Broadway, not on Lenox Avenue, uh, and wind up walking back to my starting point. Um, while I was waiting on the platform for my original starting point, uh, <laughs> you know, this is 1971, Harlem, heroin, you know, uh, reign supreme. Uh, this guy started talking to me and long story short, convinced me I was on the wrong train and it became an abduction story, right? Wow. Which I, you know, survived, all right? Um, and for most of my life, almost 50 years, that was my Harlem badge of honor story, my resiliency story. Mm. That that was my UCLA story, the university on the corner of Lenox Avenue, right? I would tell it to the kids <laughs> around the table. And until last year, doing some work and also writing uh, my book, I'm coming out with a book uh, in January and, you know, uh, dealing with that story in the book that I had to realize, hold up, Sean, that shit wasn't your badge of honor. That was trauma. Yeah. That was a traumatic event. You could have gotten killed. And, you know, I was in school the next day. And I remember my uh, uh, my fourth grade little girlfriend, Gwen Smoke, or ex-girlfriend, I guess at the time, she was a, <laughs> it was a kidnapping, you know, Sean got kidnapped, right? And she was like, I don't know who would have kidnapped you. You're not worth anything. And so just kept it, no counseling or anything. Yeah, and yeah. in therapy, realizing how this traumatic event impacted or how I showed up today. Yeah. 
lack of trust of others, lack of trust of myself, um, taking on, oh, I can prove I can handle responsibility. And I was nine years old. This wasn't your fault, Sean. You know, and I remember wanting to prove, right? Wanting to prove that I can travel the trains by myself. And so continuing to unpack that story. And I say, and this is for someone that, you know, may be listening, and we all have stories like this, right? Um, That, so I'm a therapist, I said, do I still got to keep talking? You know, I'm talking about this. She says, no, we, she says, this is your self-care. You keep bringing it up and there's a lot to, so repetition yeah. creates the reordering, right? Yeah. And so I just wanted to yeah. uh, lift that up because I am finding at 58 years old, newfound freedom yeah. around a narrative, uh, a traumatic experience that I shifted to work for uh, and, you know, not hold the adults accountable in my life, right? Yeah. Who puts yeah. a nine-year-old on New York City uh, trains with the fur coat? <laughs> and then unpacking um, how I respond to both attracting and repelling resources. Yeah. You know, this was a real firm, you know, and so all of that, man. So, um, so this, I say all that to say is that the work to bring it back to you, right? And yeah. to us, though, this is healing work, right? Yeah. yeah. We have black folks, we are grieving. Yeah. We are not just grieving the grandmother we lost in January. Yeah. We are grieving the great, 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 great grandmother that was ripped from her children, yeah. was uh, a, a, a raped, and our great, 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 great grandfather could not do anything uh, fear for his life, right? So this generational grieving that I do think uh, individuals like you and I are playing our role as we heal ourselves and help to heal others. Man. Man, you 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 went there, and I and I think that exactly where those stories, right? When our childhood, I think uh, Jerry Colonna when he talks about the the subroutines, right? Yep. The things that we did as children to survive may have been healthy or not, but we did the best we could to survive to be this age. They can be replaying in the background, right? Yep. And as yeah. I quote, as quote, so they, until we make the unconscious conscious, right? Then it will rule our life and we'll call it fate. And how often we, I see for myself, like, oh yeah, that fear of failure, that, that, that's the part of my mask. A fear of failure makes me work like hours and hours and like into the night trying to borrow hours from tomorrow and today. And then I wake up the next day exhausted, like, man, well, yeah, you ain't slept. You ain't, you should be exhausted. Right. But, I, but thinking that I'm, oh, I guess I'm not, I'm not enough to do this. Like all the, all the stories, right. Why is our organization not big enough? Bigger is it? I've worked working so hard, and all the what I the stories I tell myself is usually those. When you said that, when you said that, their fear like was it wasn't their fear. It was mine. It was resonating so true. Like the surface was like, oh, they're nervous. Okay, I'll pull back. I know that I don't know a million people. Mm-hmm. I know that I don't have. I don't. I had no idea how I was gonna do it. <laughs> and so it was. It was easy to be like. I mean, I've said no to stuff before that they wanted to change. I've said, no, we're not changing that. We're going to do it my way because uh-huh. I was more 
convinced, right? But when you get one of those things, you're like, let me throw me this dream out there. It's easy to be like, all right, well, and you're right. It was, it was my fear. And, and it's still, when we, when we, re, when we revamped it, it was, I felt the fear too, still mine, you know? And, and, and that's the thing about it because the duality and uh, the dissonance of life yeah. is that there is this two mass, right? Right. There, 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 there are always the, 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 the two. This is just my interpretation. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying this is how you teach it, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, the mask that we show and uh, the mask behind the mask. That's right. And if we're not doing the necessary work, right, uh, the, ma- the debilitating, uh, unhealthy mask will, you know, show its face. Uh, more than, 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 than necessary. And, um, you know, I think uh, a blessing of the pandemic is that it has helped to demystify to a greater degree, yeah. uh, especially in our community and uh, even more so with Black men, that it is okay to get vulnerable, yeah. to say, I need help to uh, drop the mask. No, I don't have everything together, right? right you know, right. you know, my, my, my mask that I would like, you know, uh, want you to see is, you know, Sean Dove, the iconic leader, and I got it all to, you know, all together. Yeah. You know, on the other side is the fearful imposter syndrome and awareness and self and, 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 and what, you know, you are doing, you are opening doors and unlocking uh, uh, doors and consciousness, right? Because yeah. Yeah. Uh, self-awareness is a superpower. We. Oui. Right? And, oui. uh, you know, what Jerry talks about, those, you know, uh, sub, uh, you know, conscious stuff that drives. And actually, I had a call with him, was it last week or the week before? And uh, we were talking about how... Uh, I was I, I was sharing how I so last Friday was my birthday. I was fifty eight years old. Right? Congratulations, happy birthday, brother! And on one hand, uh, I was saying that you know when I was a kid, I thought that fifty eight I'd be shopping for my rocking chair and I'd be <laughs> old and cruise control. And I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm like God. I thought I was, I used to be a child prodigy, and I'm fifty eight now. And he had shared a, a poem about just, uh, you know, welcoming the wilderness of elderhood, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and there's so much that, uh, see, this is what you do to me, right, uh, Ashanti? <laughs> all we got to do is show up in the same space and like, we're, we're, we're off. And um, yeah. I heard something last year, this brother Melvin Miller talked to during a retreat. He shared, you know, um, you have nothing to prove only gifts to share, right? Mm, man. And uh, I gotta man. remind myself of that. Uh, yeah. Daily. <sighs> nothing. You have nothing to prove, only gifts to share. Yeah, man. Man, I, 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 I think about that quote in a, in a way where I wish that somebody had taught me that when I was younger. I wish that it was this idea that you, you're not needing to prove stuff you just need to share your gifts because when you can get to that place, I believe that 
it takes a lot of pressure off of trying to what I'm doing has to be seen by certain people in so many ways, right? Like I, I started off as an engineer. I wanted to be rich. Mm-hmm. But when I, when people in college were like, you, you should be a teacher. Anytime there was like some tour going on at Cal, at Cal Poly, like I'd be, they'd be like, Shanti, can you do a tour? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like anytime a high school came on campus, I was like, send, you know, send me. I was in the multicultural center all the time. Hey, you got a, a group of students who need a tour? I got it. Because I, 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 I wanted to connect with them. But I was like, be like, dude, you should be a teacher. And I felt insulted. I felt insulted that they would say that me as an engineering student should be a teacher because I just, I wanted to be rich. I wanted to make a lot of money. And teachers, from my experience, didn't make money. And I grew, I already did my poor time on earth. You know what I'm saying? I already did my poor years. It's time for me to, I have a choice in this matter. You know, I'm, I, and I think teaching was waiting. And like you said, it was, the fear was waiting, but also teaching was waiting to be like, he's not ready yet. But it's come over. And do well at That's the right. same time. That's right. Be good and do well. That's right. Uh, at the same time. And, you know, one of the things, um, that's why it's important, longevity is important, right? Uh, that, you know, I thank God that I got to be 58, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because so much awareness and revelations have come, you know, just recently, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when I was younger, I thought, you know, 24 was my magic number. When I thought I was going to be rich and, uh, and, and everything would be like in place. And at 24 was my, my life began to unravel, right? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I have learned to, um, you know, submission mantra, right? I have to remind myself is that comparisons are a calling killer. Particularly in the, you know, let you and I, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're leaders and we, you know, my organization is sunsetting, right? Uh, But, you know, you compare with other organizations, what other folks are doing. And if you start comparing, yeah, Yeah. uh, become a call, you know, it's a calling killer. And you know, with, 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 with people, right, in, in, in good ways. I think for me, Ashanti, one of the, um, uh, you know, and you just have this quality and gift about you that, you know, you're a tour guide, right? You know, as you were on campus, you know, uh, you were taught, you guide people to themselves. Yeah. You guide people to places of vulnerability that have uh, been calling them, right? And I say, one of the things that I had to like come to terms with Mm. was that, Sean, God created you with unique gifts to be who you are. He didn't create you to be a carbon copy of your mentor who had done some great things for you. You've done some great work together and it's time for you to, uh, it ain't him. I can't blame it on him, right? You know, we've even had this conversation. He's like, you certain love, go do you, right? <laughs> and um, it took me a number of years to accept, Sean, no, you weren't created to be the next Jeff Canva, right? Yeah. You were created to uniquely be the only person you can be. There's a saying, 
be yourself because everybody else is taken. Yeah. And so this is the kind of conversations, right? And you said something about you wish you were taught this uh, young as you were younger. Um, this wasn't in the ether, these types of healing conversations, especially with men yeah. and, 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 and our uh, macho masculine mass, right? Uh, I couldn't tell you that I was scared. Right. I couldn't tell you uh, that I felt uh, vulnerable that uh, I was trying to, you know, be like uh, uh, someone else. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that um, trust you enough to share a piece of me that was wounded and hurting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just celebrated 31 years clean from drinking and drugging, right? And one of the, uh, you know, slogans in uh, Narcotics Anonymous is that you are only as sick as your secrets Ooh the ability <laughs> for us to feel safe yeah yeah love safety and belonging right to feel safe enough to share that secret mm, right man and, um you know as uh you know pain lesson right uh, pain shared is pain lesson, yeah. and so 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 we're blessed as black men to be in this generation. And I'm gonna one quick story. And uh, so my late father-in-law and my biological father, whom I did not grow up with, right? Never yeah. woke up one day saying good morning, dad. And you know we developed relationship later on in life. Uh, he and my mother were never married. He eventually married and started another family, but left that family. I had separate conversations back in 2003, 2004, uh, with my father-in-law and my biological father. And they were telling me the story of when they left their families. Mm. And they both eerily used the same phrase and terminology what they said was separate comment it was deep right they said they felt the walls were closing in on them and they left yeah and i was like wow they both and so that generate you know little generation they couldn't come and said yo let me call ashanti and tell ashanti yo i don't the walls are closing in cry i can cry with you they had to feel like they had to white knuckle it yeah. and i had to say well so how many times have you felt the walls were closing in on you yeah so you had you have different tools you have a different support network right. our brother jason wilson has written a book cry like a man and so you weren't taught what you mentioned as a child because it just wasn't in our, especially, you know, black folks, right? You yeah. know, eating dirty laundry, yeah. you know, stop what crying. Happen, what happens in this house stays in this house. Stop crying, be be a man. <laughs> I'm eight years old. That's right, that's right. I'm eight years old. Oh. This shit hurts, I, I scraped my knee, I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, walk it off, walk it off. Yeah. Walk Oh, man, that is exactly that thing, right? And I think we had our young men in our social emotional leadership class. They were reading this 
as a, as a book club. It was our first book club ever and ever forward. And it has been really powerful. They, um, this idea of like learning through somebody else's story, somebody talking about their pain and their hurt and their heartbreak and their, all the stuff that people that we don't often get to talk about. And I think it was really beautiful when you talked about like those generations thought, well, the walls are closing in. I better get out and go figure it out and not ever believing in you. And I, and I wonder, well, I guess I, and I probably need to interviews and ask some elders, those questions like, so how did you deal with it? And I think some of them just say, I, I didn't have any other option. There was like, there was no, there wasn't, there wasn't like, there was like, you can do it this way or do it that way. It was like, you better just get busy. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the father stayed, but, you know, there was drugs, there was alcohol, there was domestic violence, there was a, uh, uh, but I do think that that is because there are healthy examples, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I do think we've lost the whole griot storytelling lineage in our families. And, and being able to tell those stories like, well, That's how right. did you uh, uh, do that, right? That's because right. That's right. we clearly come from a people that know how to survive and thrive, yeah. to take adversity and turn it into an advantage. And, yeah. and there are so many uh, uh, lessons and... Uh, uh, I saw you hold up um, Brother Jason's uh, book. Uh, in 2021, I want you to uh, make sure that uh, the book that Nick Childs and I are dropping in January yeah. is part of your uh, book club. Absolutely. I Too Am America on Loving and Leading Black Boys in America. And actually, mm. you may know from Oakland, we've, uh, we we weaving the stories of two young men, uh, one from Oakland and one from Detroit. But you know Romero Wesson uh, from Oakland. The name sounds familiar. I'm not sure why. Of, uh, Kingmakers of Oakland. And oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he has his own ministry, a chosen generation. And, okay. Uh, so um, he's right, you know, he's right there in your oh, uh, man. Uh, outdoor connection. He's been at Rumble. Um, so, and it's equal parts manuscript yeah historical account of cbma excellent and manifesto where do we uh go from here and that we had to rewrite uh, uh, uh reframe that final where do we go from here chapter yeah. because when we finished at the end of last year <laughs> you know i had this vision of the corporation for black male achievement an endowed philanthropic uh, uh, into social enterprise. And that dream is still there, but not just in the current entity, right? That was how the book ended, right? Yeah. The book didn't end like, okay, we're sunsetting, right? Uh, right. 2020 came. Uh, we are sunsetting. And it was an opportunity for the book to really uh elevate the ethos of uh of, of, of cbma and so it's a compilation of many manifestos of uh leaders in the field and now i i'm, I'm feeling guilty did you not did i invite you and you not respond or did i re, uh not invite you to contribute a mini manifesto i'm hoping it's the former uh yeah 
I don't remember. I, I definitely, anytime you email me, I, I think I replied to one. Yeah, I, I always reply to the stuff. So I, I trust that whatever was supposed to happen is happening. And, you better believe it. Yeah. Part of uh, what I2 of America will be, you know, so we're going to incorporate. Yeah. Achievement. Awesome. LLC. We're self-publishing it. But it's also going to provide a platform for others to tell their I2 of America story, right? And right so on. this is what I was, I've been doing it, right? So I've been in the shallow end, I've been doing it, and uh, this is what I've called, I've been called to do. Yeah. And um, people have been asking me when I made the decision, you know, when we made the decision, actually, uh, I was like, you know, we're, we were looking at a few things with Sunset, and it was an activation. Yeah. People have been asking, well, what's next? What's next? Right. I said, you know what? I'm focusing on who's next more than what's next. Yeah. What's yeah. The, what, who do I have to be? That's right. Uh, how do I have to show up in what I, you know, am calling my third act? So I've been blessed with an intermission season. <laughs> right? Yeah. Third, uh, uh, third acts, right? And so excited, right? And, right on. Uh, excited about the work that we're going to do to continue to do together yes and, um, so yes well, i'm excited and i think thank you for weaving in the, the math you weaved it in there and talking about it and i appreciate that and i think you know one of our I, I, I told people there's not an interview it's a conversation and the way the mass comes together is opportunity for us both to share about the fears the challenges like sometimes the mass weaves in in the conversation and it's good to have somebody a brother that you can go to and say can we just talk about, I think one time I was dealing with some leadership challenges and I remember feeling like betrayed by somebody on the team. And I remember, I, I didn't want to bother you. Like, I really didn't want to bother you. And I was like, I, I, here, here's a quote I heard recently. It said, um, it's really hard to be fully loved unless you're fully known. And the reason it resonated is because there's very few places that I feel, and I've been saying this lately, that I think I'm fully known. And so me trying to like, who do I talk to? Like, okay, I got all these people who I know, but I don't want to bother them because they're busy, they're busy, they're busy. And something just said, text him. Like, and I literally sent you that text and I was like, and you responded, right? Like, it's, it's the fears. Like, it's, it's fear gets in the way of getting the help we need when we need it because we, we tell ourselves a story that that person's too busy to have time for my little problem over here with this small nonprofit in Oakland, California, right? Like, and I think that, yeah. And I, I'm kind of getting, I, I like doing that, right? So <laughs> only because, you know, we are, uh, we are kindred brothers, right? Yeah. When I, cause I've been in that scenario. Yeah. And when I have said, oh, that person's too busy. That person doesn't have time for me. Yeah. What I'm really saying to myself is, uh, Sean, you're not worth that person's time. Uh, who are you to be calling and asking? Uh, you're not, uh, you, you know, you're not worth it, right? And and, and that narrative, right? That because the mass, you know, has a narrative, right? That's right. That's um, right. And the, the 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 challenge for you and I, you know, uh, brothers like us, people like us, who are in some ways in the public eye, we're leading movements, yeah. movement making, community uh, 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 building, uh, 
with that comes an image. Yeah. And our ability to get vulnerable and say, guess what? I do not have all my shit together. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, you saw that Instagram post, but I didn't post when I was in a fetal position crying, right? I didn't I didn't post that, right? When I was in the fetal position, it might have been the same weekend. Oh. <laughs> I didn't post that image of vulnerability, right? So don't just look at that. Yeah. The beauty of what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. Is that we can say to each other, Yeah, I see you, I know you, I love you. Yeah. There's no uh, 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 issues or oh, what do you mean you love me? What, you, what you know? Uh, uh, you know? Um, you know? In my lifetime, you could not say that to. You know, when I was coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had to leave my community and my homeboys when I transferred to a new school uh, for eleventh grade. Uh, my first two years, I went to Brooklyn Tech. Second two years. I got a scholarship to this prep school and um, I was trying new things and uh, I was like, oh, let me take this poetry class. Now, this was, I think Rapper's Delight just came out, right? This was 19, this was the fall of 1978, right? I could not let my homeboys know that I was taking a poetry class. Right. Because... I would have been seen as soft yeah, and a whole bunch of other stuff that goes with it. Yeah. And because I was led and took that risk, I was able to discover that I was a poet and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it tapped into and poetry and writing helped save my life. Right. But I had to, you know, balance those two worlds. And I remember, and as I tell my story, uh, not really fitting into this preppy environment. Yeah. Right? Then going back home and my friends is like, oh, you hanging out with the, those white boys up there uh, wearing khakis and, you know, the, 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 the dissonance of that and not having a way to process uh, uh, all yeah. of that, right? So I'm just grateful for what you've created. Yeah. You're a young man. You may not have had it, yeah. When you were younger, but you are delivering it. You are making sure that the Ashantis, the younger Ashantis, yeah. uh, 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 have it. Thank you, man. You know, something's happening here in my office. I mean, it's like, it's a wild place, right? So um, somebody just walked in. I'm like. I thought you were trying to blink with your eyes that you were in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was feeling like. I was like, oh, how do I, how do I, I haven't had this happen before. Excuse Talk me, sir. I, I need you to step outside. Yeah, can you go back across the street, please? I'll take care of her, but you, you can go back across the street. Thank you. See you. Take care. Hi, you looking for Candango? Hi, Candango is in the oficina aquí atrás. Oye, can you go back across the street, please? Yeah. No molestas la señora. Estoy diciendo a él, no te molestas. Oye. No molestes la señora. Déjale pasar. Promise me you won't edit that. I will, uh, <laughs> right? Promise me you won't because that's the work. That, <laughs> that's the work right there. 
And I didn't know you were bilingual like that. <laughs> I didn't know you were bilingual like that. So I don't know what you said. All right. But, oh, man. Thank you. Big brother. Thank you, brother. Okay. Pocket. All right. We're going to leave it. It's gonna be, it'll probably be the intro. It'll be the intro. It'll be like, this is what happened at the end. <laughs> Oh, man, I so appreciate you, brother. So more than I even have words to tell you, um, but I want to thank you. I want to thank you um, for not only just taking time out of your schedule, but just for letting me send you those texts and for for answering and for responding. And, the, you know, and just so I want you to know that though, when you stop me, like, I think you're right. The, the mask has its mask, has its mask. I, I, my mind tells me this. I'm that person is busy. I don't want to talk about the fact that sometimes I don't, don't feel worthy in that way. And I think those are places I'm I'm really b breaking breaking past. And you helping me with that also is, yeah. I've been trying to write this book too, and I'm I tell myself this fear of writing. I don't think I'm a good writer, right? I think all the stuff that just keeps like the lessons you keep learning, the stories we tell ourselves, yeah. right? And yeah. so, um. Love you, brother. I Love you too, you. my man. I, I, I will always have time for you. It may not be when uh, exactly <laughs> you are requesting it because if you are like me, yep. uh, we got to get better with saying no. Oh, man. Right? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, not, you know, not right now. That's right. Um, but um, I'm here for you. I have your back. And I know Thank that you. You know, it's the same. And I'm just like so excited about how you are blossoming. Thank you, brother. How you are sharing your gifts, uh, how you are teaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, are you are a master teacher. Thank you. And um, you're healing, man. You're, you're, you're you. healing. I've seen it uh, and have experienced it firsthand. Well, man, I tell you, we look forward to your book. We look forward to once you get it ready, you let me know you to come back here or tell us how we can share it out in our you know, our little network. And um, I, I, I would be glad to, to learn more about the journeys of these stories. And thank I you. I won't okay. be bashful. I'll turn down a literary agent <laughs> so that I can own it, right? Okay. In with this uh, quote, it's kind of interesting, you know, two black men uh, having uh, this conversation. I'm going to end with a, uh, uh, a quote of a white woman, uh, Brene Brown. Right, okay. uh, who uh, says in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Oof. owning your story and loving yourself in the process is the bravest thing you will ever do. Right. Mm. And uh, so mm. getting this out, and there's some mm. parts of this in the, in the book, like, you sure you want to be this vulnerable, Sean? Right, and uh, I know that it's going to help and heal others. Right, oh, yeah. uh, so so own it, and I look forward to uh, part two of uh, uh, of the part of the podcast, man. Uh, because I kind of get a sense that you are bringing us to a close. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, it's time to end this. Oh no, I you know I can talk to you forever. I'm thankful. I'm so appreciative of your time, and I think you know. I think you know. I'm and I'm a. I, everything you just taught me in this podcast was what I've, what I've, I've been needing to learn and lessons that are still, as I really want to go back and listen to it again, I'm probably going to catch things I didn't catch. 
And I'm, but you, but thank you. I, I, I got like three pages of notes right here trying to write without pretending like I'm not writing, but I, but I, but I felt it and I, and I appreciate you. So thank you for that. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to the fruitful future we both have right and on. what we're going to do, uh, what we're going to do together. Beautiful, brother. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Have a great day. And, yes, uh, brother. Uh, we'll see you once this, uh, the, the, this nation opens up and uh, the, we're able to travel. Uh, yes, sir. You better believe it. I look forward to being in uh, space uh, with you in person. Me as well. Thank you, brother. All right. Love you, man. Love you too. If what you heard today you enjoyed, if you've listened to this and you found something inspiring, please like and subscribe to this podcast. That's the best way for someone to find this podcast, maybe like you did. Um, please tell someone about it. If you know, listen to some of our previous episodes, and if one of them rings out to you, please share it with somebody you know. Um, we also invite people to join us in a face-to-face where they come together with another person to make a mask and talk about that mask together. There's short conversations, about 20, 30 minutes. So if that's something that's interesting to you, please uh, send us a message. Send us a, in the comments below. Let us know that you're interested in that. And we look forward to you joining the movement of the Million Mask Movement. And check out our new shirt. I don't know if you, how you can, if you can see it, but this is our new shirt, the Million Mask Movement. And so uh, we'll have these soon available, uh, but we look forward to you being a part of the movement and supporting our work. Uh, please consider supporting the work that we do in Ever Forward and in the work uh, that we do in the Million Mask Movement to let people around the world realize that they're not alone. Thank you. <laughs>